Thank you for joining us for Friends and Followers, a podcast brought to you by the Seton Shrine, where stories of those who were inspired by Mother Seton's life and mission are shared. It is our hope that you might find inspiration as well, and a deeper understanding about who Elizabeth Nancy is. And you can subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes. We hope that you enjoyed them. Thank you. Hi, Lisa. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So I'm excited about this podcast episode because um, when I was working on the Seton Family Treasures, and as we started developing our like little tour script, because we do a we do it's offer a guided right. tour from time to time in that exhibit space. Right. The one person, if we were trying to represent each of Mother Seaton's children, the one I kept getting more and more interested in wanting to know more about him, wanting to really learn more of who he was, was Elizabeth Anstein's youngest son, Richard Bailey Seaton. Yeah. You know, we, t- we talk a lot about, excuse me, we talk a lot about the girls, um, especially you know, the two that had died right. preceding Mother Seaton. Um, and then we talk about William, the second, who is the oldest son, and he was the one that married and had children. Right. And so there's a lot of focus on all the, and then of course Catherine Seaton, right. who lived to be a sister of mercy. So all of these children, these four, just has some sort of mark right. in Elizabeth Ann Seaton's story, but not so much in Bishop Bailey Seaton. And when we were putting the exhibit together, it's just like he is a very interesting character yeah and so you decided to do a podcast yeah yeah because he is the the mystery the mystery um, I yeah. think, especially when he's younger it's a lot um said about him by his mother and, and siblings there's very little that he says himself mm-hmm. and so um there's just always this idea that he was the son that was the troublemaker or a wayward son the wayward say. son um, yeah <laughs> you know and so we kind of he, but he is very interesting. I think he, he's probably more interesting than some of the other children. Yeah. Like in quick summary, it's sort of like he was more the wayward child. And if right. you understand what that means and you're coming from a large family, sometimes it could be also coined as the black sheep. Right. You know, they right. don't quite gel in with the family dynamics. Or you're feeling like they're on the outsider, the ones that with the most trouble, right. the one with the least direction or knowing where they want to be in their life. But, um, yeah, I think he was the one that was more quiet, more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. And so that can lend itself to not being noticed. And and also also that feeling that maybe they're helpless, that they can't do things on their own. And I think you kind of see that as he gets older, he kind of rebels a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, yeah, I think he's interesting. Again, Mother Seton approaches all of her children differently. Yeah. Um, and Richard, she certainly did that. I think with Richard, she died not knowing at all what would become of him mm-hmm. um, and I think that was probably the most difficult thing that she faced at her death. Yeah I, I would say what she did maintain across all his children is that constant worry for their well-being right. especially their spiritual well-being right. that she did have that for Richard even though the day-to-day talkings of him wasn't exactly present in her writings as frequently as the other children. So. Yeah, and I kind of I kind of get where Elizabeth's coming from. It's like, um, like I'm the kind of person with my kids. If they're talking to me, then I can gauge where they are. If they're not talking, they're more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. 
then you're not sure where they are. And right. I think that that's what Elizabeth found. I think yeah. William wrote her and talked to her quite a bit, and so did the girls. I think it was Richard. She just really never knew where he what was, he was going on in his head. Yeah, you know, and right. his actions lend her to be worried. Right. <laughs> I think. And we do know, though, that it kind of had a beginning where she wrote that her pregnancy and the birth with Richard Bailey Seaton was not exactly the easiest one. Yeah, so there's a few things about that. So he was born in 1798, middle child. Mm -hmm. At this point, things are going okay. I mean, this is the year her father-in-law dies, and so things are starting to get a little rough for her. she writes to Julia Scott, my illness was so severe that both mother and child were some hours in very doubtful situation. And to save the mother, the child was nearly lost. But the grandfather, think of what my sensations, who had just enough life to see it, on his knees blew the breath of life into his lungs. So we know right away that Richard was struggling. Like we don't know, we don't know how long that was. How long was that that he was not breathing? So there's been speculation that maybe when she talks about him being this innocent child, mm-hmm. this immature child, that maybe maybe that had something to do with it. You know, people speculate about that. It wasn't something that I think people thought about then, mm-hmm. you know. So, so we well, know. quick question. Was she also pregnant during um, a time in her life that it was very, very stressful? Because I feel like sometimes your environmental dynamics and factors yeah. do play in on how your pregnancy is going to go as well as the early couple months of the well, infant. Yeah, I mean, like right. I said, I think this is the very beginning of when things start to get stressful in okay. their life because okay. her father-in-law has now taken this fall and it, it's right. died. You okay. know, so it's right, right right at that point. So certainly that's making things stressful. Okay. Yellow fever, he was born in the summertime, is, mm-hmm. is rampant at this point, and she was... Mm-hmm terrified that her children would get yellow fever and die from that well yeah because he even she even quarantined him mm-hmm. in his own nursery right right so. right and she's alone williams in philadelphia mm-hmm. when she goes into labor so um i yeah i think there were a lot of stress factors that happened because you know she does go on to have Catherine and rebecca and there doesn't seem to be any problems with the delivery or the or the pregnancy with that but for some reason with richard things went awry Mm -hmm. um i wanted to talk about so she she credits god for her own survival heaven she wrote had again denied her her wish for rest and more joyously credited richard bailey her father for saving the baby and and named him after him so his richard's name is richard bailey seaton Mm -hmm. what i've always like I guess it's kind of bothered me is when she said again denied her wish for rest and i think that that kind of does show where elizabeth was you've ever been to that point where you're so tired whether that's just exhaustion or sadness postpartum you just want to rest and and for some people um i mean i've been in that situation for some people you're so tired you don't want to go on. Like you just want to just like, like let this just be where this ends, mm-hmm. you know? And I think we see that with Elizabeth and we've talked about her sadness in the past. So I think she was overwhelmed at this point because her father-in-law had passed away. So now they have all of William's siblings living with her. You know, mm-hmm. she has all this extra responsibility. 
what's happening with the business. Her husband is at home. She's in the state. And, and that line that she says, again, denied her her wish for rest, makes me feel sad for her because I think how many times in her life has she been to this point mm-hmm. where she just wants to die? Essentially, that's how I'm reading that. I mean, I don't know if that's how it is, but that's what I'm looking at, you know? Yeah. And Well, I think the other part is that she she's already a mom. She knows how important it is to create that bond with the child. And I'm very curious, though, if she was struggling because she was tired with it. Oh, yeah. She was t- struggling in connecting with Ron. Even though she does, she wrote that she, you know, really kind of continued to nurse him for right. several more months right. and really was trying to solidify that bond woman between, you know, mother the and mother child. and child. Yeah. But at the same time, that's where I was kind of going with it, that it's just more of she just struggled. Yeah. as being a new mom again right. with a new infant. Right, with two, two toddlers. Two toddlers, and, now, and she's exhausted. Like, what, and five she, other children have moved in with them? <laughs> yeah, and she just not, she doesn't have the energy to try to have that easy, natural right. relationship occurring right. as most usually find that she probably already had with her two previous ones. And that exhaustion is real, you know, and she didn't have much outside help. We know that she had one um, housekeeper, I guess, or something that was living with her, Mamie Hurler, Um, but she didn't have a mother to help her. Her sister Mary is having her own children. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of her younger siblings, her step-siblings, are younger than her Her, own daughter. Like, you know, so they're not really helping her. Yeah. Um, so what we see with Richard is over the next couple of years, I mean, he's he's sick. She's writing about different sicknesses that he has. Um, he's not he's not a, a well toddler. Like mm-hmm. it takes him a while to to get his footing. Um, and it probably contributed to his overall personality of being more that introvert. Yeah, that we are kind of discovering yeah. you know, about yeah. Richard. So when when they leave in October of eighteen oh three for Italy. Um, Elizabeth has this wonderful way of writing notes to her children, even though they're so little, like most people wouldn't think to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and she says to Richard, my own Richard, your dear mother loves you more than she can tell and hopes you will be a good boy and mind your dear godmother, which is Rebecca, her mm-hmm. sister-in-law, Rebecca. Um, and I just think that that's just very sweet, you know, and she asked him to pray for them. And and I I love how she does that with her children. That yeah. she takes that that moment to have that interaction with them, even when they're young. I mean, she wrote a note to Anna Maria at three, you know, and she just writes these letters to them. It's very sweet. And I don't, and I think that this letter just really does confirm her that she still loves her child. That she loves Richard Bailey just as much as she loves her other mm-hmm. children. It's no different. She's just going through a harder time right. being a mother to him. With the right. two toddlers, right. like right. we all go through our seasons of motherhood, and yeah, and um, yeah, I mean it's just such a hard time. I I think a lot about when she came back, which we don't we don't see that as much, like her relationship with her children when she came back, especially Richard and William, um, because they would have remembered their father, mm-hmm. and now they've lost this male influence in their lives, and mm-hmm. you know, and also keeping in mind that she almost immediately severed that relationship with with William's family to some degree because she was deciding to become Catholic. So we don't, 
have a lot of her relationship with her children in 1804, but um, I would imagine she kept them close. Um, You know, when she decides to come to Baltimore, she puts the boys at Georgetown. Right. And so Richard is at Georgetown at nine years old, which I know to people today, they're probably maybe a little shocked about that, but that was something very normal to send your kids away to boarding school. Yeah. If I think with the boys, I mean, it was normal for them right. to get a really good education, a strong education. Yeah. And she probably with Georgetown, instead of having, I'm trying to think, um, what an all pair, someone that comes in and teaches them in the home, right. she probably couldn't afford that. But because of her connections and her right. friends, she was able to put them at a university, basically. Yeah, Georgetown. and I think she truly probably felt and I think she was right. She was doing the best for them because here mm-hmm. she's in Baltimore, supposed to be starting this school for girls. Mm-hmm. What would she have done with them? There was no school for them in Baltimore. Yeah. But I think that even then it shows that, yes, as much as she was more with her girls, as we read her writings, like her, her daughters are very present. And a lot of people, when, especially when they come to visit and take our historic homes tour, they're like, well, where are the boys? Where happened right. to the boys? Right. You know, the boys aren't quite in the fold at the forefront, you know, they're not so readily right there, but she did take care of them because right. when when she moved to Emmitsburg, she had them transferred to Mount St. Mary's Seminary right. because she wanted them to be as close as they can be. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, she says when they're here, my darling boys are in a branch of the Baltimore College halfway up the mountain and well taken care of in every way. Mm-hmm. So um, what was it like she was able to see them, I think on Wednesdays, and then on Sundays. And then Sundays she would go up there to teach so she could mm-hmm. see them then. Yeah. I think they might have come down here other days. Um, you know, what's nice here, which we have the benefit here for most of the seasons when we're leaving the um, historic St. Joseph's house, you can point to where the mountain is. You can still see mm-hmm. some of the buildings yeah. and far off. So it's kind of like, oh, it's just walking distance. And, and it makes it more palatable, I guess, for yeah. visitors to be like, oh, okay, okay. is not that far away? <laughs> but they're yeah. still, but in a minute you say two and a half miles, everybody's yeah. like, what? <laughs> you walked two and a half miles just to see a sun? It's like, well, it's not that far. Right, right. So, but anyway, um, so the boys are up there, you know, and, um, but it's still, even then, like for me, without, I don't know where you're going with this, but for me, even at this point, even on my tour, it's still about William. Because, oh, yeah. you know, William had yeah. been near death, mm-hmm. along with his older sister, Anna Maria. Right. They probably had a very close re- right. relationship. Um, he wanted to be a priest, or at least yeah. some other people thought. But it turned out he really wanted to be a sailor. He wanted to join <laughs> the Navy. Yeah. And, and then she seemed to be all consumed by that when he becomes of age and he really wants to go off in the Navy and she's worried about that. So, But we're not getting into that. But even then, I'm feeling like, wow, like, whatever, what's going on with Richard? Was he happy? Right. Was he content? Because because he were... There's a couple of years in between them, so he yeah. wouldn't have gone right away. Like, he followed William. Right. He probably had a really close relationship with William, but William moved on quicker because he was older. Right. right. Yeah. So I think what's interesting, and we've talked about this before, when Anna Maria dies, it's almost immediately as soon as she dies, William's like, okay, well, now you got to take care of me because, by the way, I'm sick. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so um, 
And I think it's interesting to me because did it happen the same way like with Rebecca? Remember, Rebecca was worried about her mother being overwhelmed, so she kept her illness a secret. Was William doing the same? Because it's like as soon as Anna Maria dies, which he mourns that death, but then he says, you know what, I'm not feeling that well. And so right away he's he's sick. And so I think, well, poor, poor Richard is like, okay, now – now where does Richard fall in line, like you yeah. said? But she says that Richard passes the hours on his knees at William's bed when he has a fever, making all the little boyish um, um, amusements to William, I guess. Okay. So, um, again, there's Richard and his innocence trying to make his brother feel better. Um, and so I think that that's really lovely as well. Um, but then she, she does start to see, especially by 1812, end of 1812, that William and Richard are both kind of starting to look to what is out in the world for me. And I think to your point, I think Richard is doing that at this point because what is he? He's 14 at this point. I think he's doing that more because William, who's 16 mm-hmm. at this point, is starting to do that. So yeah. he's kind of growing up a little bit faster mm-hmm. in that respect, I think, because his brother that he's so close to is doing that. Yeah. Elizabeth is is worried because she's thinking, well, you know, she doubts that they'll get very far because of the fate of our family. I think that that's all that seat and curse. Oh, you know, okay. she's already seen Anne Maria die, Rebecca's sick, yeah. Harriet's sick. Well, and then both, even Richard, like we know that Catherine, she also had fragile health and which right. Mother Seton was trying to send her away from Edinburgh as frequently as she could. Right. Um, William's sick, near death. And Richard Bailey, even though she doesn't really write about him being sick as much as she did when he was younger, I'm I'm very curious if he was still not a best of health. Yeah, what do you think? No, I mean, you just see these little comments like this, like, oh, they're thinking of the world, but oh, too bad, they're you know they've got the family history, history. and so she's the almost curse. convinced. Where you can so you kind of see when we talked about Catherine, how Catherine was always paranoid about dying mm-hmm. that she probably put that on them a little bit, kind of thinking, like, don't get your hopes up too much yeah. <laughs> because you're probably not going to live that long. And um, you just kind of see it through those little those little things yeah. there. Um, and that's kind of funny because I was just saying that and thinking of them growing up and knowing the miniature that's in the exhibit. No, it seems to me, without having any other images, because they didn't have photographs back then. Everything right. was painted or miniature. I, you know, Richard is a pretty stocky boy. Like yeah, he, he, is. he seems he is. like he's yeah. tall, he's broad shoulders, got a little more yeah. like mountain boy <laughs> farmer in yeah. him. And I know yeah. that he did inspire to be a farmer too, apparently. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think that's I, really I I what he wanted to do. That. And Elizabeth is not. Did not. not support that yeah it's the same thing though she didn't really support yeah she doesn't support that and i and i think i think as we'll see moving forward that was that was his calling i think that's really what he wanted to do he wanted to be the countryside you know um well even william had said that when he was in new york of how much he misses the mountains that he always saw himself more of a mountain boy than a city boy yeah and he, I mean, he is very innocent, you know, and, and by 1812, when he's 14, I think it's interesting. He says to his mother, when I look at the sisters, meaning the, the sisters of charity, mm-hmm. and think of the happy days when we were little and we could run into their arms, I'm obliged now to turn away. I feel so sorry that we are growing big and they do not treat us as children. 
He is the most innocent, loving heart, and so affectionate to his sisters and William that everyone remarks to it. So he's 14, but he's still, he's, it's that growing pains. Yeah. You know? I still want to be treated as a little kid and have people hug me and, you know, and have that innocence. Yeah. So now he's entering in a period where a lot of our children today, I mean, I went through it, yeah. where you're just not sure who your sense of self is. Right. right anymore like right. dynamics are changing you're getting older you're no longer a child but you're not an adult yet right you gotta figure out your future but where do you go and while the other ones either had that direction like william did or they had died and didn't have to be so concerned about that with the exception of anna maria that she knew she wanted to be a sister and she took her vows and it, but Catherine, you know, she was still struggling with herself at that time, right? right. Because Brother Seaton was more involved in the direction she was going in. Right. Richard didn't really have someone kind of guiding him in a way. So I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that waywardness started happening, but because he didn't have that guidance that much. Right. You know, he and, didn't know what I to mean, do. He knew point. he wanted to be a point. farmer, he wanted to stay here, but at the same time didn't have his mother attention enough right or approval or maybe. approval right right so he's so kind then of he's like well, to i don't know what out. to do right <laughs> right and this is the same time that william's really pushing to go into the navy you know mm -hmm. as especially as we get closer to 1814. Right. um i like this so this kind of struck me when i was putting this together so it's march of 1814. um elizabeth writes richard is mother's boy forever but a lively crazy he told Rebecca, laughing the other day, I dreamt I was a soldier last night, and when I found it was a dream, it seemed I would rather die with joy. I would rather come and see you, little Becky. So I, would I it struck me, and so this is happening in Baltimore. I mean, the war is going on. And so I thought, well, that would be the same with our sons. If there was a war in the next town, they would mm -hmm. be thinking, especially at, at now, 16, mm -hmm. What does that mean for me? Because yeah. at 16 and 1814, he could have gone into the service. True. Know? And so he probably, it, it's weighing on him in a way, like he's dreaming about it. Like, you know, so I'm thinking, I hadn't put that together before. I hadn't put it together that, okay, so she's got these boys turning into men when there's a war right here, yeah. 30 miles away. Yeah. Um, but what does Bishop do? So this is where I kind of lose him a little bit more. I will admit right. that. Well, it's also to your point that she writes Julia Scott that same year and says, my Richard has his wish still bent on a farm, but I do not know how he will escape the force of the current, which seems to carry off our young men. And he thought, but little more than 16, as large and tall as my Richard Bailey when you saw him last. So I think... Um, she's saying that Richard wants to be on a farm, but she's starting to think... Is our, you know, is our young man's fate to go off to war, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, so she's trying to find a place for, for Richard. Like, where is he going to go? What is he going to do with his internship? And this kind of almost takes two years for her to figure this out. Okay. She gets um, Luke Tiernan, who was a prominent Baltimore businessman. Mm -hmm. He His daughters attended here. He was very close to Elizabeth. Um, he named one of his daughters after Catherine. Um, and so he she asked him to give Richard an internship. 
Um, so he goes to Baltimore. He is there by the spring of 1816. And um, he, he doesn't write very much. Again, it's him being an introvert. He's being very withdrawn. She's worried because he's not writing very much. Um, and so we notice where William has these hundreds of letters that he's writing to Elizabeth. Richard's not writing at all. No. So um, now Richard is kind of coming into his own in Baltimore. And I think what starts to worry Elizabeth is that she kind of finds out that he's trying not to appear as a mountain boy. And for Richard, that meant not going to church. He just kind of, he wanted to show that he was on his own. He writes, here if you speak of confession or communion, more about going to church, you were laughed at and made fun of by all the young men, Protestant as well as Catholic. Richard complained to Father Dubois. So what did that mean? I think what he's saying is if you're someone that is going to church, whether you're Protestant or Catholic, if you say you're going to church, you start getting made fun of. They maybe they're calling him like a mama's boy or you know, a good boy or whatever. And he wants to kind of fit in, but it makes you think, who's he trying to fit in with? Has he gotten involved with maybe a rough crowd, I guess we would say today. You know? Yeah. So would you say that he's starting to become rebellious or is it just... I think he's trying to come into his own. His own. Okay. I think it's like when you send a child away to college and they kind of want to... Mm-hmm. All the things you've told them not to do, they kind of want to be like, well, I want to see for myself. It's. I think Richard was that kid that, like she said it herself, if he would just listen to me, our lives would be so much better. I think mm-hmm. he was that kid, you know, where you try to convince... Well, like with my daughter, trying to convince her at three to put shoes on before she went out in the snow and mm-hmm. she refuses. Yeah. It's like, then just do it. And then, and then they, they have to right learn. Yeah. They have to learn by doing. They so have. I think yeah. at this point he wants to fit in. Mm-hmm. And so when he realizes that people will kind of call you names or whatever, knowing that he's from the mountains, knowing that he goes to church, he doesn't want that. He wants to fit in. So mm-hmm. he starts yeah, kind of becoming, I guess, a little bit rebellious. Yeah. at this point so but he does lack you know prospects he, right. he still lack the maturity to being like okay you don't want to do that but what are you going to do right and right. there doesn't seem to be anything right right because right. then he start traveling too soon yeah so at first he's doing really well um in baltimore then all of a sudden he's not and so and luke has some other things going on. He now has a new son-in-law he wants to bring into the business. Mm-hmm. So he kind of tells Elizabeth, you know what, I think Richard's time here is is going to be finished soon. So that's when she starts writing Antonio Felici in Italy. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to convince him, um, like, look, Richard can't stay in Baltimore anymore. I really want him trained as a merchant. And so she says, um, who on earth can I ask but yourself what to do with him? Dearest Antonio, I still hope it is the last. Um, it is the last. Would you perhaps ask some merchant of your friends in Europe and America to take Richard? He has gained a great deal of information from what I understand, and it would be ungrateful in me after all our God has done for me and mine to be discouraged now disturbing his future goodness. So this is... typical Elizabeth she has such a way with words of 
I'm going to ask you this favor and, and I'm not going to say it, but I know you won't deny me because God has been so good that he has to make this work. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's guilt trip written all over it. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like, she just had such a beautiful way of words where you would say yes to anything without realizing you've even imposing. Yeah. (laughs) Keep it it basically imposed again. Yeah. But But that's her being a mother in a way. Like she is making efforts to secure some sort of future when she doesn't see her own son doing it or it's sort of not exactly what she wants. But it's a boldness too. Like it's, it's like, I I would never do that, but yet I'm envious of mothers that do that. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I can think of one person I know who does that a lot. Um, And, and the thing is, is her kids benefit from it. Okay, so are you thinking that we should stop there, Lisa? Yeah, I think um, let's have a part two. Okay. Uh, we'll continue Richard's story. Um, he leaves for Italy in the summer of 1817. So he's now 19 years old. This is where he starts his manhood. Um, there's This is where the mysteries of Richard really lie um, in the next few years of his life. And we'll get into that in a couple of weeks. That sounds good. Yeah, because I think what I'm really curious about is you know mother seaton her number one concern worry for everybody especially that of her with children is their place in eternity and their spirituality and you've already said you know richard kind of got to the point where he's like i don't want to be a mountain boy so he's stopping religious practice almost in a way right right and i'm curious of like really what did that have a profound impact yeah. I know where his story ends up being. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you but like you said, um, the mystery. Yeah, because this is where there's some conflicting stories on him. Um, is this time period for the for the next part of his life? So, um, I kind of just want to put those out there, and you pretty much have to draw your own conclusions by the things that we know. Okay. Um, but did he did he eventually follow in Mother Satan's footsteps? We'll find out in two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.